it can be very empowering to hear like, you can ask for help. You are going to need help. You are going to be healing. Um, and it's empowering for the partner to know, hey, even though I'm not gonna be, you know, maybe the one feeding because I'm not breastfeeding, I'm not the one healing, I can be like the gatekeeper. This is Pros Talk Pregnancy, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. I'm talking with visionaries and game changers who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mom of four, lover of the mountains, seeker of knowledge, exercise physiologist, birth doula, and childbirth educator. Basically, I'm an all-around pregnancy and birth nerd. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better and empowering professionals and families alike. Are you ready? Let's go. Have you ever heard the phrase, we need to prepare for the marriage and not just the wedding? Maybe it's just me. I love using that example when I talk about preparing for that postpartum time. The birth is important, don't get me wrong. I am obsessed in preparing for birth. However, that postpartum time, our society has really not set us up for success in it. And so because of that, it is so important that we make sure our clients and ourselves prepare for that experience. You know, people are often expected to go back to work while they're still healing. They're expected to, you know, give birth, whether via major abdominal surgery or vaginally, which is also a huge physiological event for the body that requires recovery. And they're just expected to kind of get on with life. They're trying to figure out how to feed this baby, get to know this baby, bond with this baby while healing themselves. Maybe they have older kids. They're having breastfeeding or chest feeding troubles. There's a lot going on. It's an intense time period. You know, and now I need to figure out what's for dinner <laughs> a lot of the times. And so, yeah, the birth is important, but that postpartum period, we need to stack the cards in our favor for a better experience. Yes, our society needs to change. We need better communal support. We need better postnatal care. We need better laws in place about not having to go back to work right away. But we also need to make sure our clients understand what's stacked up against them so that they can plan to make it better. And so I brought on Amanda and we chatted about that. What are some tangible things we can do to set ourselves up for success in that time period? Amanda Gorman is a wife, mother of two, and the host of the Finding Your Village podcast, as well as a certified birthing from within childbirth educator. In addition to her family, Amanda is passionate about writing, speaking, addiction and trauma recovery, music, social justice, and birth work. Her podcast focuses on birth, postpartum, and parent mental health. She offers online childbirth classes and postpartum classes that not only inform parents about the physiological aspects of birth, but also train parents to build a toolkit to cope with pain, become confident facing the unknown, and finding their parenting village. Welcome, Amanda. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. So I really, I love starting these episodes with just asking people, I know there's a lot of um, professionals listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. and I think people just want to know, like, 
how did you get to where you are today? Like, tell us a little bit of your tale behind the work that you do. Sure. So I am a wife and mom of two. My kids are five and three, and we live just outside Atlanta, Georgia in the suburbs. And I got into birth work after getting pregnant for the first time with my daughter. Um, well, really that's not when I got into it officially, but that's when my interest was peaked in birth Mm. and everything having to do with the most common miracle in the world of bringing new people into the world. Um, and so I took birthing classes before having both my kids. I fell in love with birthing from within when I took a class before I had my son and I worked in the corporate world for 10 years and had, um, you know, experiences positive and negative in the end, it was way more negative than positive. (laughs) So I left focused on just my babies and, um, and just, you know, kind of reorienting myself in the world of toddlers and babies. And then the pandemic hit and that just caused me to have to reorient myself all over again and went through lots of growing edges during that time, um, some painful moments. And, but ultimately those moments led to where I am today, which is doing work that I absolutely love um, balancing it as best I can in, you know, year two of the pandemic, <laughs> um, with my kids that are now past baby and toddler years. And, um, in all of that, I have launched a pod. I launched, excuse me. I launched a podcast two years ago in February of 2020, right before the pandemic. Oh, wow. Hit. Yeah. <laughs> right before. <laughs> yeah. And it was, um, it was a long time coming. I, I, thought about starting a a podcast about the early days of parenting when I was pregnant with my son, my second, and took a long time to get it set up and started and learn all the things I needed to learn to start the podcast. Um, But Finding Your Village launched in February of 2020. And I talked about the early days of parenting. And then I just realized that I was becoming more and more interested, passionate about, and obsessed with birth and postpartum and parent mental health. Um, And so I made the podcast be completely focused on those topics. And then that is what led me to become a childbirth educator. So I got certified with birthing from within, and I have been teaching online classes, online childbirth classes via zoom since then. And now I am pivoting to offering self-paced online courses online, um, which I'm starting with a postpartum course, which I'll get into today about why I start, I'm starting with that. And then I'm going to add a childbirth course to that as well. I love that. I love seeing people pivoting and following their passions. I think the world has enough, you know, rule followers and enough, like people who are content with corporate, nothing wrong with that whatsoever, but you know, we, we need, we need you. We need these people. We need people who find and just follow these important passions to make these waves and these changes in the world. And I, I know one of the thing where you came on to talk about today is postpartum. and, and how to prepare for it. So, and I am with you. So I've been a doula for, oh, a lot of years now, since 2009, 2010 was when I began. And I've always at one of usually 
the last prenatal visit, we always talk about postpartum and I always liken it to, you know, you have to prepare for the wedding and there's nothing, it's important to plan for the wedding. You know, it's one day, but it's a very big, important, (laughs) memorable day. So we want to make sure we're prepared for it, but we also have to prepare for the marriage, (laughs) you know, like that, that's going to go on for a lot longer. So I think of postpartum kind of as the marriage and I want to hear from you, like, why, why do you think we need postpartum plans and why do you think we should prepare for them before we get to that point? Yeah. I love that analogy of the wedding is one day, it's a big deal, but then Mm -hmm. marriage is a lot longer and, you know, maybe not enough emphasis is is put on that. Um, I think that is a fantastic analogy to giving birth and taking home baby and postpartum and, you know, the, the ever after, after that. And so, um, for me, I really started to focus on this, not only from my own experience of having kids, but when I started getting into birth work, getting certified to be a childbirth educator, and then started teaching my classes when I was putting together my, you know, rubric syllabus, what I was going to focus on, I, had four week classes and the last week was solely focused on postpartum. And that to me kind of differed from some of the other classes, uh, childbirth classes that I had seen where they kind of, uh, it's not even a whole class that's dedicated to it. It's less than that. And so I was thinking like, okay, well, I've got a whole class dedicated to it. That's really good. And then I started teaching and I'm like, I am just lightly touching on topics that I could spend days talking about with, with couples and with expecting parents that, and this just isn't enough. This isn't doing it justice. So then I started to think about the potential for creating a class just for postpartum. And so I started looking at what's out there, what are parents, um, looking for? What are they interested in finding out about? What are kind of the challenges that parents really face when they bring a newborn home, when they're trying to care for their baby, when they're trying to care for themselves. And what I realized in just doing research and trying to see like, how could I be helpful? How could I meet a need? What is the need? I realized that there are so many newborn care classes, baby 101 classes, bringing home baby classes, like all of the emphasis in postpartum preparation and the material that's out there is all focused on baby. And of course that's important. And of course that is what parents are very concerned with, but I just found such a lack of information on how to not only care for baby, but to care for the parents to care for the person who just gave birth because they're healing from a major event, whether it's a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth, there is healing that, that needs to be done and tended to. And that person deserves to be cared for while they're healing. Um, if it's a partnership, the other partner also deserves to be cared for and acknowledged. And there's also just, you know, if parents are first time parents and they're having their first baby, they are making a monumental transition in their life. And they're going from literally one day, there are two adults that are, you know, humans (laughs) uh, in a coupleship, 
And then bam, the next moment they are parents. That is a huge transition. And so I just thought, you know, we need to talk about this more. We need to talk about the transition. We need to talk about how to care for parents during those early weeks. And in addition to caring for baby, of course. And I also, you know, talk about the, the airplane oxygen mask analogy, where when you're on an airplane and you're about to take off, they go over the, the safety precautions and they talk about in the event of an emergency an oxygen mask will drop down before helping others, make sure to put on your own oxygen mask, because if you don't, and you try to help others, you could pass out and then you can't help anybody, including yourself. So I believe that the same is true in parenting, uh, especially during the postpartum days, the first couple weeks after baby arrives, you have to take care of yourself in order to then take care of your baby who completely relies on you and needs you. And so that's really the big, huge why behind why I am putting so much emphasis on this course, creating it first, um, before I actually translate my live childbirth class to a self-paced online course version. Um, And to talk about a postpartum plan, I like to liken it to a birth plan. Most people are familiar with what a birth plan is, Um, you know, writing down what your preferences are. In my classes, I talk about it as birth preferences because yeah, (laughs) yeah, you can't plan a birth, um, but you can say, Hey, this is what I would prefer. I'd prefer for baby to be put on my chest, skin to skin right after they're born. um, If that's possible, if not, then, you know, we'll flex, we'll, we'll adapt. Um, But I like to think of postpartum in a similar way that it's really, really helpful to make a plan or make a preferences sheet because after baby is born, uh, for the person who has given birth, you're having a lot of hormone changes. If it's a partnership, the partner is also experiencing hormonal changes. When partner or dad holds baby, they are also releasing oxytocin they're releasing chemical changes in their body to bond with their baby. And that affects things that affects body chemistry. And so there's hormones at play. There's of course, lack of sleep. Babies have to be fed every couple hours. And so, you know, parents are up in the middle of the night and they're not getting their typical sleep pattern. So in addition to hormonal changes, lack of sleep, they're learning how to care for a newborn, maybe for the first time, or they are at least meeting this new human, this tiny human, even if they've had kids previously, it's still a big transformation and change and transition. When you have a baby, you're meeting a new person, you're understanding who they are, what they need. And it's just a lot to juggle at once. And so For parents to create a plan of like, okay, what are we going to do when baby gets here? It's not just, okay, we're going to, I'm going to have a plan to have my sister send out a meal train so that people can bring over casseroles and drop off dinner. That's important, but that's not the only thing that I think parents deserve to write down, think about plan for so that they can do it when they've had a lot of sleep, when they've kind of, before they go through this huge shift, so they can write down, you know, 
what are our thoughts on, especially right now in the time of COVID, what are our thoughts on people coming over to visit? What, where are we? Are we on the same page as far as, you know, all of those topics that we're all tired of talking about, but we have to masks, vaccinations, people coming over, holding baby, all of that stuff. Like, where do we stand? Let's go ahead and spend some time to think about those things. Um, yes. Who is going to send out the meal train? Um, are we going to have, you know, takeout on these days? Um, who is going to do, you know, baby night shifts? Are we going to have someone come over either a family member or a close friend or a postpartum doula to help us do the household things? So it's, it's all of that. Um, and I just think that parents deserve to take that time to write out their thoughts and, really collect their thoughts and feelings about how they want postpartum to go. Yeah. I mean, so the first thing that made me think of is like the name of your podcast, even like your village, like finding your village. So I feel like we, we live in a society of, you know, you know, we have our little single family, like, you know, maybe one to two adults and the kids and maybe a grandparent or maybe a friend or you know, some people are very lucky to have a very big village of support. And then there's others who essentially don't have anyone but each other or even nobody if it's a single parent. So, um, and then there's also like the expectations and the societal pressure placed on these people. Like you should be back to business a couple weeks after you give birth. You know, I mean, some people literally have to already go back to work. So how do we, I, I, I love the postpartum plan idea. How do we make it available? I mean, certainly we need to do things at like, like our, our country needs to give better (laughs) parental leave. So we could go on and on, but like, what can we do right now? If we're feeling like, oh crap, like I don't have, I don't know how to even make that happen for myself. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I wholeheartedly agree with you that as a culture, as a country in the United States, we need to come together and better support parents in general, especially postpartum parents. Um, But individually, what can we do for ourselves? Um, So in creating a postpartum plan, really, you just start with taking time to think about it. Think about what would you want in an ideal situation? You know, just let yourself kind of dream. And then, then after you kind of let that brainstorming session happen, then you can come in and kind of be more of the realist of like, okay, what is my maternity leave situation? If I have any at all, um, what is my partner? If I'm in a, in a committed relationship, what is their leave situation like if they have any at all um what is our the village that we have currently as far as actual people in our lives um and then i also like to encourage parents after they just kind of think about what would you like and what is the reality and how to kind of get the two to come closer together Um, i also encourage parents to think about how they can utilize resources And so I think about resources in a couple of different ways. So there's external resources that can be people in your life. Um, In in part of my childbirth class, I always have parents create like a cheat sheet of, of, you know, 
write down a piece of paper, separate it into four quadrants. Uh, top quadrant is like meal angels, people that are going to bring by the casseroles or send you a gift card to Grubhub or whatever. Um, and they're going to actually either be in your space, in your home or dropping off meals that are nearby locally. Um, or they could, you know, if you're comfortable with, they can come in and put dishes away, fold laundry. Um, so those are local external resources, people that you know in your village. Then there are emotional support people. So this could be someone across the world, someone across the country, um, but you know that they can hold emotional space for you when you just need to vent when you just need to cry and you just don't want to feel alone, like write down those names of those people that are safe. There might be crossover in the local friend or family member with someone who can hold that emotional space for you, but it might not, it might be two totally different lists and that's okay. Um, I also, on the bottom part of, of that piece of paper, I also have parents brainstorm. What do they think would be the biggest challenges that they might face postpartum given their current reality. And then I also have them resource themselves. So bringing in internal resources because we all have internal resources that we can tap into and those can be cultivated and strengthened. Um, but in doing that cheat sheet exercise, I have them start to think about how can I help myself? And even just doing this postpartum plan exercise is utilizing your internal, your internal resources and strengthening them as well. Um, so I have parents think about, okay, given the big challenges that I just thought about, what's one small thing I could do to overcome those challenges or make them a little bit better? Um, and so you're utilizing, you know, external resources, people local or far away. Um, you're also utilizing your own internal resources of being self-aware and knowing your limitations and knowing what might come up in this very sacred time period, you're also thinking about what can I do? You know, I don't have to be stuck or be in a, a victim role. I can actually take action and do something about these challenges. Um, and then the last resource that I like to think about in addition to external internal is an external resource that is not necessarily a a person in your circle that you already have in your circle of family or friends, um, but outside resources, services that you could pay for or support groups that you could join for, you know, no fee. Um, so external resources um, that are outside your, your close circle are things like podcasts, like this podcast, um, experts, lactation consultants, if you're breastfeeding, postpartum doula, uh, a therapist, support groups for parents, or if you're going through something, um, a support group for that specific topic, that specific situation, uh, books even. So I, I kind of like to think of it in those three terms um, and then putting it all together in the class that I'm creating right now, I am really trying to take all of that and wrap it in a bow that 
I'm calling a postpartum plan, kind of like a birth plan where you think about, okay, during labor, here's my preferences. During the pushing stage, here are my preferences. Right after baby's born, here are my preferences. So I'm putting all these things together so that parents can say, all right, postpartum, here are my preferences for all of these different stages, all of these different aspects, um, so that you know, even if things don't go according to plan, um, at least parents have thought about this, um, which helps facing the unknown be a little bit more bearable. Um, it helps you to kind of regulate your emotions better as well when you've kind of thought ahead and you have at least some type of a plan and potentially even a backup plan for what can I do when things get really hard and challenging. I love that. I think it's something that we, in our society, we don't often ask for what we want and need. I think, especially as parents, we're feeling so guilty. You know, I remember just feeling embarrassed that I couldn't do it all myself, you know, like, especially having my second baby. So I had my first in 2007 and my second in 2009. And I would say for me, for a lot of people, the transition to one baby is like, the hardest, they say that's the hardest one. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going from not being a parent to being a parent yeah. for me, maybe because I had my kids young, I kind of just like fell into that pretty naturally. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but the second baby, it was like, how do I take care of two at the same time? And you know, yes. the next day it's like, you're expected to already be on, you know, dealing with your toddler, going to play group. And you're felt like, you know, it's this whole like super mom mentality, but it's like, I didn't know how to ask for help. And I had people that probably would have been willing to help me, but I just, I put on this front of like, I'm good. And I think that is often. And I think some of making this plan is realizing that you do need to ask, like no one's, no one can read your mind. You know, today we're recording this on Valentine's day. (laughs) And I, and I, I was looking at my past, um, you know, Facebook statuses time hop. And I was laughing one year, not in like a, they're so funny way, but in a, you know, like all these people are going to be getting like the, the, the target, you know, flower bouquet that, or the gas station flower bouquet, like, you you know, you see people just coming out of the stores with all of these Valentine's things in the morning. And it just made me laugh one year. And it's like, maybe that's what someone wants, but how do you, how you need to say what you want? Your partner can't read your mind. And I think that the same thing goes with postpartum for not just, you know, all the people, but also for our partner, you know, my partner is very, very good at taking care of me better than I probably am at taking care of myself. But, um, I remember with my second, actually it was my third baby. My midwife goes, I remember Lindsay, you were hard to keep down. And so instead of just telling me, she told my partner, now I don't want her really out of bed for this many days. You know, I don't really don't want her doing the stairs. Can you bring her, can you make sure to bring her, her meals in, you know, our room was upstairs. Can you bring her meals to her in bed? for this many days. And it was really helpful for me, for my partner to not just hear it from me, but also hear it from my medical provider. So I think, I think it's, it is on us to ask, but it's also on, you know, this, this podcast, a lot of pros listen to it. So if you're a doula or a midwife or, you know, make sure that partner knows, (laughs) right. Don't you think? Cause, cause I think they want to help. 
but I remember a lot of partners are just, they don't know, you know, they, yeah. they, they maybe aren't the one that they can't feed the baby. If you're breastfeeding or chest feeding, they can't, they're not, sometimes they're not quite as intuitive with what to do. Yeah. And so I think they just need to be taught. This episode is brought to you by the Body Ready Method, our game-changing, interactive, fully online course for perinatal and birth professionals who want to elevate the way they serve their clients. We teach you how to help your clients prepare their body for a more functional pregnancy and a more efficient birth. And we teach you what to do when during birth through the lens of birth physiology and biomechanics. Gain the confidence and the new skills that you need to support your clients even better. You can now sign up for the next cohort of the training. Visit BodyReadyMethod.com to learn more. Yeah, do you, I, I what totally do you think agree. about that with the partners? Like, how do you prepare partners? Or do you have the partner work on this with the pregnant person? Or what's this? What, what do we do there? Yeah. Um, I completely agree with you about the partner that um, I've gotten that feedback especially if the partner is a man, he's the dad. Um, our society kind of gives a message to men of just like, be productive, fix it. You know, that that's kind of the emphasis. And so being emotionally attuned for some men is a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, and for any partner, like you said, not being able to be the one who is feeding baby, which takes up a lot of time postpartum. <laughs> right. um, sometimes it can send the message to the partner that like, there's really not a whole lot that they can do. And so talking about these things ahead of time can be very empowering for both partners and for the one that's going to be breastfeeding or chest feeding, or the one that has just given birth. Um, it can be very empowering to hear like, you can ask for help you are going to need help. You are going to be healing. Um, and it's empowering for the partner to know, Hey, even though I'm not going to be, you know, maybe the one feeding because I'm not breastfeeding, I'm not the one healing. I can be like the gatekeeper. So we're going to have people drop off food. Um, I don't, you know, I can kind of protect that space of we've agreed. We don't want anybody in the house for, you know, X number of weeks. And so I'm going to manage the texts. I'm going to manage the, the ring doorbell notifications, oh, I love that. Yeah, you know, and that can be kind of their role. And also um, to answer your, your second question, I do have both partners go through the cheat sheet exercise at the same time, but separately, they both have their own piece of paper because the partner is most likely going to have different challenges or different ideas of challenges than the person who's giving birth. And so I want to make room for that. And sometimes um, there's kind of this like martyr mentality that I've seen of like, well, I'm not the one who's been pregnant and I'm not going to be the one giving birth. So, you know, I just need to be there to support them. And sometimes they'll put their own needs you know, at the bottom of the totem pole, because they're like, well, I can miss sleep because she's doing all of this hard work. And it's, it's again, going back to the oxygen mask theory, you really can't help anybody. You can't be of great help or use to anybody if you are running on fumes. And so I like to also acknowledge, um, that the partner is, you know, a, 
a real whole human <laughs> and they're going to get tired and they're going to need nourishment and they need emotional support too. And so, um, you know, I just have them write down that, go through that cheat sheet exercise. Um, and I leave it completely up to partners if they want to talk about it afterwards, or if they kind of just want to keep this to themselves and leave it in their nightstand so that they can go back to, um, once baby actually has, a, has arrived. Um, so I just think that it is important for both parents to feel empowered, to recognize that they both need to think about what they want, um, advocate for those needs, ask for those things, and, um, and realize that, you know, this is going to be challenging at times. It's going to be wonderful at other times, um, but challenging at times and that they can absolutely get through those moments and they can get through it together as a team. Yeah. I think the postpartum time, there can be a lot of different arguments and yeah. heated stuff can go down because especially when we don't have expectations, I think often it's that it's the expectations. Like, why yes. are you not doing this? I'm doing this. And you know, it's, if we can communicate ahead of that time, that's really helpful. You know, when I was teaching a lot of in-person childbirth education, I had my husband come to the very last day and it was really fun because I would, you know, the expecting people would stay with me and the partners would go with my partner in another room and they would just really, I feel like they could really let their guard down because they were, they were able to express their own fears and their own worries yeah. in a way that they didn't want to put on their partner, which I think is really nice. I feel like we need, we need more stuff for that partner. I know it's, I it's just they're they, they're going through this too. And my husband would always give his phone number and it was really sweet. Like every once in a while, there would be a partner or dad. I remember this one dad reaching out. I was actually at their birth as a doula. I remember him. He was just so overwhelmed and, but he didn't want to put it on his partner and he didn't know who else to call. And so he called my husband and it was really really cool to see. And I think, you know, toxic masculinity, maybe it kind of gets in the mix with that and it isn't, doesn't allow people to communicate always in this effective way, but helping my husband would, you know, go through, like, these are things to expect, yeah. like things, even like sex, like what, mm -hmm. what's going on with that? Like, when are we going to do that again? Are they going to want it again? Or what should I do? You know, or they're worried about, you know, cause that's a big part of a relationship or yeah. they're worried about, um, like you said, how to help, like how, like, I'm not the one that's doing most of this stuff. So like, what is my role or what do I, and, and the, uh, another really important thing for the partners and everyone to know are the signs of, you know, postpartum mental health concerns, Yes, because that person's not necessarily always going to see it in themselves, but the yes. partner is that one that really needs to be on the lookout. So thank you for bringing up the partner. It's, it's really, really important for us to not negate their part in all of this, you know? So yeah. I kind of want to segue though. I, I want to know, you know, because every time someone gives birth, it's like, Oh, I need to come go hold the baby or mm. I want to come hang out with you. And I think maybe some people want that, but if you, you know, let's say you're listening and you're like best friend is pregnant and you haven't been pregnant for 20 years, or you just <laughs> never have, or you just whatever. Like, how do we support our, our friends? Like, how do we support the people in our village? Maybe it's just like that neighbor down the street that I kind of know, like what sure. would be the things that pe what, how do you think people in our society should be treating the new family? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is really, really good stuff. I think um, just asking and acknowledging just, you know, depending on how close you are in that relationship, right? If you're the neighbor down the street that, you know, you talk maybe once a month, um, it, it might be a little more, you know, uh, a little more formal <laughs> than if it's like your best friend from childhood. Yeah. Um, and so, but I think just acknowledging like, Hey, I know you're expecting, <laughs> um, I know you're expecting your second, whatever it is. And, um, and also acknowledging just kind of the weird world that we live in. I know that you're having a baby and you're getting ready for that. And, um, things are just, everybody kind of has their own, um, set of expectations that they want to follow. Um, but I just wanted you to know that I am here to hold space for you virtually to, you know, drop off a casserole to, um, you know, fold some laundry, whatever you're comfortable with. I just wanted you to know that I would love to support you and that I'm here. And so just that acknowledgement of what's going on and then asking like, you know, letting them know, acknowledging like, Hey, I'm willing to support. And then asking what do you, is there anything that I could do to help? Do you have anything in mind? Do you have a list? Um, and you know, even if the answer is thank you, I'm not really sure exactly what I'm going to need yet. Just offering up that acknowledgement and offering that support, I think can be so helpful. Um, and just right now, I mean, I think that it's really important for people that are, um, that are the village of those who are bringing new humans into the world right now. I think it's also just important to acknowledge how challenging giving birth and having babies and having newborns in this time of, again, we're two, almost two years into the pandemic. Um, it's just, it's so important to acknowledge how challenging it is and things that we took for granted, you know, you had your babies X number of years ago. I had my babies X number of years ago. Um, I think that when we think about our postpartum time, it's important just to acknowledge that right now things are just a little bit different and to just hold space for that and say, like, I am, I am down to support you in whatever it is that you want, whatever your preference is. Um, and also to have your own boundary, right? Like whatever your feelings are about vaccines, those are your feelings and they're valid. Um, and if you are part of a village of a family who has a newborn, their feelings about vaccines are valid. And so if those two don't meet, it doesn't mean the relationship has to be over. You can't help. It just means like, how can I be supportive given the strangeness that we live in and, you know, kind of where our boundaries meet, like, where can we come together? And it might just be like, Hey, I would love to be on your kind of emotional support call list. If you just want to vent, if you just want to complain, um, I'm my, my text inbox is open. Uh, my phone is open and, um, you know, feel free to reach out whenever. Yeah. I, I love that. I think we, we just need to offer and keep offering. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. So I have four, four kids. Um, and I would say the kid that I got the most support from, from my village 
was the kid who had medical, you know, medical was medically complex. And so when some, you know, and, and I think that's great, you know, when someone has, you know, my baby was going undergoing open heart surgery and people came and they gave us meals and my meal list, you know, it was really funny. It was really interesting, not funny. It was really interesting. You know, I had a meal list yeah. and it was, it was pretty sparse. Not a lot of people signing up like, okay, that's okay. People are busy. I get it. Then as soon as we, you know, we realized 10 days old that, that this baby was medically complex you know, an outpouring of support and love, which I'm so grateful for, mm-hmm. but I, I just feel like every, every new parent, regardless of what's going on, to be honest, we were in the hospital. I, I, I needed support, but I needed support more like three months later when we were yeah. home. <laughs> and totally. so I think sometimes the support is a lot and maybe not for everyone, but the support tends to be the most at the very beginning. Yeah. And to me, I consider early postpartum to be the first 12 to 18 months. And I'm not saying you need a meal list for 12 to 18 months, but (laughs) to put it into perspective, I did not. And maybe it was my fourth kid and he had, was very, very high needs. This is not the medical complex child. This is the next one. I didn't cook a meal for six months. I couldn't, I like, he was so needy and I don't think people are aware of how long it's going to feel as intense as it may feel. So they're prepared for like the first three months. Yeah. And I'm like, well, like it's, it's not going to be in your body. And, you know, I talk a lot about postpartum recovery and the body, like I consider your body takes 12 to 18 months to feel back to quote unquote normal. Yes. You know, like, and postpartum is forever. And so (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I just feel like our society doesn't give the honor or the, the space for this time. Yeah. I totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) And so I love that there's people like you really focusing in on this time. And I love that we are bringing awareness to the fact that this time needs planning. It's not just going to, just like you can't show up to your birth and just expect it to go exact. You know, you, you, you can't go to McDonald's. You're like, you know what? I'm going to show up to McDonald's and I'm going to order like a steak dinner. Yeah. And you're like, well, like McDonald's is fine. Like we like, maybe not, but (laughs) maybe a bad example, but like there's nothing wrong with McDonald's and getting, but if you want a steak dinner, you have to like, you got to get, you got to plan, you got to find the place that knows how to do it, you know, and yeah. you've got to have, that's maybe my, my example is starting to crumble, but <laughs> you get my point. Like we need the same thing with postpartum. And I don't know, it's, it's the marriage thing. We, we got to plan. And, um, yeah. it's just, something that we need to shout from the rooftops. So, um, if you could leave like parents with like a fine, like, like there's so much you could say, but like, this is something that I want you to remember. Like my biggest takeaway going, say you're pregnant, going into your postpartum period, what would be like, don't forget this. Yeah. I would say, Don't forget that you deserve to take the time and invest your time and money Mm. to plan for postpartum. Yeah. I mean, how guilty I feel like we often 
will spend anything when it comes to the baby, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like this, how much is that snoo? I'm sure it's worth it. (laughs) Right though. I mean, yeah. Like all these products and yeah. yeah, And they're great. Some of them, some of them can be really, really great. Some of them are pretty useless, (laughs) but we spend, we're so conditioned to spend money on, on things and parents, you are worth your time, your emotions. You are worth investing in help in services and information. Um, There are also registries that you can actually sign up for services. You can register for a postpartum doula. You can register for lactation support or, you know, whatever, whatever it is um, either before or after you have a baby. Um, One, one of the registries that I love uh, in particular is be her village. So you can actually register for childbirth classes or, or any of those things. Yeah. So that if it's like, sure, I would love to, I can invest the time, but I don't have any extra money at all. Um, you know, I would love to, but I can't, then there's actually a registry option where you can then send this to your friends and family. And again, going back to advocacy and asking for what you want and need, you can say, Hey, this is something that's really important to me. I just wanted you, you know, to send it out there. Um, in addition to the target registry, this, this is a need, this is a high importance need for me. Yeah. And you know what, when you are as a parent taking care of yourself, your nervous system, yes, you are forming your child's nervous system. You are forming their ability to thrive in the world. So I feel like when, when we put it into that, you know, like I'm investing in myself is investing in my child. Yes. Because when I am stressed and overwhelmed and anxious and it's, 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 we're teaching things to our kids. Our kids are watching us. They're co-regulating with our nervous system. And so we need to take care of ourselves. And I, you know, as my kids get older, I'm feeling this the same, like my teenager, my ninth grader left so crabby to school today. And I, you know, and I was thinking, okay, like, how can I, you know, I think they asked me where their coat was and I told them, and then they got mad at me. And I was like, okay, like, we're learning, you know, like, like our kids are, are watching and observing how we react. And so I could have react the same way they reacted getting sucked into their nervous system and their response, or I could, could do it. You know, I could model what I want them to someday do. And so I think we have to, we have to model taking care of ourselves and I've not always done it the best and we're never going to do it perfect, Yeah, but it's okay. You know, and even if some of your plan. And I joke with my parents because I used to be, and I still am a little bit, a little bit weird about screen time for kids. Mm-hmm. But I tell, I tell my families like that have older, a little bit older children, like it's okay. Like it's okay. If this is an acute intense time period, it's okay. If they get a couple extra hours of, I don't know what the kids show is now, like <laughs> Coco melon. It's okay. If they get like an extra hour of Coco melon, because you got a nap or because you got a breath or you got your cup of coffee, like take care of yourself. Is that that's better than like screaming and freaking out? Yeah. Like, and I, my husband helped me realize that. Cause like, no, we can't have more screens, but it's, it's okay. It's, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> it is. And I went through the exact same thing and I totally agree. And also we, we don't, you know, we create plans and then we have to be adaptable yeah. to flex as they don't you know, always go according to plan. So we create plans, we create preferences, whatever you want to call it. And by asking for what we need and asking for what we want and advocating for ourselves, we're also 
showing our children how to do that. And if we don't do it perfectly um, and we, we change, we change course, we, you know, turn 90 degrees and say, all right, this hasn't been working for me. I'm going to go this way. Now we're showing our kids that they can do the same thing. Yeah. So good. So we're changing the world. Just like you take care of yourselves. Then you, you know, we grow with these healthy kids and they do what they're meant to do in this world. So, yeah. So it's all, it all starts at home. Um, it does. Love it. So where can people connect with you? I know you have a lot of, you have a podcast and you have some offerings. We'll add all of it to the show notes, but I want to hear from you as well. Yeah. So, um, people can connect with me, um, looking for the handle finding your village. So my website for the podcast, um, is findingyourvillage.com. I am on Instagram and TikTok at finding your village. And then the online courses that I'm starting to launch, um, beginning with the postpartum course, which is available for, um, anyone to purchase or purchase as a, as a gift for someone, um, that I have partnered with a postpartum doula and a sleep consultant. Um, and so we have created a new brand called pregnancy to preschool. So if you are interested in finding out more about that course or taking that online self-paced course, you can go to pregnancy to preschool.net. Perfect. Thank you, Amanda. Well, it was so fun to talk with you. I feel like we need to talk and we need to keep talking about the postpartum time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to pros talk pregnancy. We are passionate about making the childbearing years better. And as professionals, when we work together, that is when we see the greatest shifts. Is there a topic that you would like for us to dig into with an amazing birth pro that you know? Or do you have a question around pregnancy, birth, or recovery that no one has quite yet been able to answer? We want to bring you the topics that you want to know about. So please submit a question, topic, or guest suggestion for the chance for it to become our next podcast episode at www.bodyreadymethod.com slash podcast dash submit. See you next time.